what I thought was going to be the death of me, our miserable marriage, was the death of me. But it was the proper death, the biblical death, that we need to die in Christ in order that He might resurrect us and bring us uh, the life that He desires for us to have, not what we think we can work out on our own. Well, that's Leroy Wagner, and he and his wife Kimberly are our guests today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. John, marriage is a beautiful gift from God. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, But sometimes getting the bow just right (laughs) in that gift is a little difficult. And we're going to have conflict from time to time. And one of the things we're wanting to accomplish here at Focus on the Family is to equip you um, to communicate better, to love each other better, um, to do marriage well. One of the things I've said often here in the studio is that our marriages are on display. Um, divorce rates for the Christian church are too high. And that's one of our grand goals is to reduce the number of people in the church who are divorcing. And people are watching. Um, That is true today. And we want to talk today um, and put some tools into your hands to allow you to communicate and to better understand each other as husband and wife so these conflicts can be um, better smoothed out and that you'll in essence, love each other more deeply. And uh, as I said, Leroy Wagner and Kimberly Wagner are here with us. Uh, they were here before, in fact, as they shared their story about their marriage uh, last time, Jim, in 2015, there was such a resonance with our listeners. It was the top response program of the year. Of the year. And uh, if you were intrigued, if you remember that broadcast, um, I think you're really going to find some great stuff in today's conversation. Uh, The Wagners have been married over 35 years and have two adult children and uh, a growing tribe of grandchildren. It's up to what, five now, Kimberly? Yes, five (laughs) grandchildren. That's terrific. The book that uh, we're going to talk about today is Men Who Love Fierce Women, The Power of Servant Leadership in Your Marriage. Leroy and Kim, welcome back to Focus. Thank you so much, Jim. It's great to be back. Thank you. Well, um, this is a new work, this Men Who Love Fierce Women, and it was kind of born out of the last program, uh, or at least you guys may have been thinking about it, and that puts some heat under the kettle to get cooking. Um, Talk about that motivation, Men Who Love Fierce Women. What was going on in your marriage that uh, now has created this work? Well, uh, our marriage was in a complete state of miserable dysfunction. Uh, for a long period in our marriage, even though we were both committed to Christ, committed to serving the Lord. But uh, uh, we had some uh, difficulty in relating to one another that kept uh, uh, reoccurring, and and we didn't really understand. We couldn't get a handle on what was going on, why we could not have the harmony and the peace in our relationship. And uh, it was about 15 years of marital misery uh, that uh, we just thought there's no way that uh, we can work this out on our own, and we just were consigned to living in misery, uh, which is not what God intended, uh, because we didn't believe in divorce. And uh, I think there are probably a lot of couples out there that are uh, Christian couples, uh, but uh, are not experiencing what God desires for them to Well, and I think it's a lot more prevalent than what we display. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I'm so excited to have you guys back, because you spoke so vulnerably about what was happening in your marriage, and it helped literally thousands of people Mm -hmm. uh, reconsider God's way for marriage. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you that right there. Let's start with that question of why is marriage important to God who created us? Mm -hmm. Well, marriage does parallel the gospel. 
and the work of God. In what way? And Ephesians 5 describes it, but just to put it in layman's terms, it is the picture of Jesus Christ laying down his life, pursuing a bride, the church, his people, people he calls to himself, laying down his life at the cross to purchase or redeem or love this bride well. And in Ephesians 5, it gives the man the mandate, you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church, which is pretty impossible to do. It's impossible on your own. And then the wife is to be responsive to that love, the church, as the church responds to Christ. So we as a couple, when we claim to know Christ, we claim to have been changed and transformed by the power of the gospel. When we're not living that and people know us, especially like our children in our own home, we claim that the power of God has taken over our lives and yet we can't even get along. What is causing that not getting along? When you counsel couples and you talk with the folks, what are you hearing? What is that obstacle that the enemy of our soul is using to defeat us in this area of marriage? Well, I think that the enemy does, Jim, attack uh, very strongly and specifically uh, marriage because of how it is meant by our Creator to display His glory, to display His character, His goodness, what He desires for us. And so if the enemy in any way can diminish or detract from what God intended originally uh, for marriage couples to live out and to show a watching world, then uh, the enemy uh, believes that he gains an advantage in that. So I believe it is an attack. It is a spiritual attack. And so I don't believe that any believers are immune. In fact, I think that believers may actually have more uh, difficulty sometimes in their marriage than unbelievers. Well, it's so true. And people that don't understand this, I know I was working on a marriage book uh, a while back, and I thought Gene and I probably had more disagreement during that time in our marriage. And I was thinking, what is going on here? We haven't changed that much. <laughs> just book but, illustrations, I but guess. Just, well, no, it wasn't even. It was just the fact, I think, spiritually, that I was working on a book that reinforced exactly what you're saying, Leroy, that this is God's uh, will for us to display his image in humanity. And uh, Satan just does not like that. And you try to defend marriage God's way, you come under severe attack from the culture, from people who disagree with us, as well as spiritual attack. So that's where that's at. Let's get back into your story, because that's where we're going to learn so much. This idea of a fierce woman and a fearful man cycle. We talked about that a couple of years ago in that program, but refresh our memory about the uh, fierce woman and the fearful man, which is where you were in your marriage. Exactly. Okay, a fierce woman does not necessarily have to be an obnoxious, loud, rude woman. That may be what you think of when you first hear the word fierce, but she's strong, and she has maybe strong opinions. Now, some fierce women are quiet, and they go about it in a different way of expressing their fierceness. But it's usually a woman who, um, like all women, we desire to be loved by our husbands. We desire to have our husbands lead us spiritually 
and yet we have certain ideas about how things should be done, and we want to get that across. I've and never so, noticed that in Gene. <laughs> you noticed that in Dina? That does not describe yeah, Dina no. in the least. <laughs> and so we may push our husbands without even realizing we're doing it. We mm. put pressure on them. Now, some women, they don't even have to utter a word to exert their fierceness. They may just raise an eyebrow, or it may be the tone of voice. But a fierce woman can be one of two things. She can be beautiful and encouraging and inspiring to a man to be all that he can be, all that God created him to be, or she can be destructive. She can emasculate him. And that's what I was doing to Leroy for so many years, and I didn't even realize it. Can you, to help us better understand that, there is the humorous side of it, and you guys have gone through this now. And uh, you're on the other side where you understand each other, you understand the pits and the bumps that we have in this life as a fallen world. Um, describe that early part of your marriage. You touched on it, Leroy, but give us more context. How did that work out kind of on a day-to-day basis? In fact, you have a story about trying to teach uh, your good wife here how to shoot a firearm, <laughs> and uh, that didn't go so well. I wouldn't pick that environment. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. Yeah. Marriage trouble is existing. Don't use firearms. Yeah. Do not try this at home. Let's go for it and uh, describe that story for us. Well, I, I knew that I'd married way over my head, as most men probably, you know, at some point feel like they have, because Kim was just so uh, brilliant and so driven and had such an intensity for life, had such a passion, and I was drawn to that. But consequently, how it worked out in our daily life is, I mean, she just excelled in everything. And it seemed like almost a competition that I could never measure up. Uh, She wasn't uh, consciously trying to do that, but she was always uh, seemed to me like, uh, you can do this better. Here's here's how I would do this. And even in, uh, you know, I thought, well, there's one area, you know, I was raised in the country, so uh, she's never raised around firearms, so I'll show her how to. This is uh, your environment. Yeah, this is my, this is my, you know, my wheelhouse. I can handle this. So I can, I can show them that I'm a man and uh, she's not better than me at something. And so uh, we were uh, at our home there in Northwest Arkansas. Arkansas, rural Arkansas. And so I showed her all of the details uh, of how to operate a firearm. And and I'd put a little uh, evaporated milk can, just a small can. Extra and, small target. An extra small just target. To prove your yes, point. Right, yeah. I, I know I, where this is going. I couldn't have hit it, and I knew she couldn't hit it with this small pistol. And it was about 25 feet away at the Jeez. base of a tree. And, and uh, uh, the uh, it was Borden milk. It's an old brand. Don't know whether it's still around or not, but their, their, uh, their uh, picture there that they had was Elsie the cow Elsie with the a little cow. kind of a flower around it. And so uh, she uh, she pulled the gun up and uh, she squeezed off around and I looked and the dirt flew and I thought well she came pretty close and so uh, I made sure the firearm was secured and I said I'm going to go look at it and I went over to the can picked it up and Elsie the cow had a hole right through her nose oh, I mean it's like a dead eye shot oh it's just, I mean it's unbelievable and I said okay she said did I hit it I said yeah you hit it. I said that's it we're through for the day I, I give up so how did that make you feel yeah. well Mr. I mean, man I, I was I was always feeling like that uh, that uh, I, I just couldn't measure up I couldn't measure up to her expectations I could measure up to what she wanted me to be. And in every area, she was more spiritual than I was. She was smarter than I was. She knew uh, better where to park than I did. If we would pull into place and I would park, she said, no, how come you didn't park over there? And uh, so I think that's a, that's like a DNA thing. Yeah. With women. <laughs> it's, it's a spiritual DNA that really, I believe Jim goes back to the fall. Yeah. 
where the woman has that desire because mm. of our rebellion and our diving into sin headlong against our gracious creator, that that is one of the spiritual DNA strands that a woman has that desire to rule over her husband. But God says, no, the rub is going to be that my will, how it's supposed to work is he is supposed to give you guidance and direction. But Jim, I will say that I did not realize I was doing that. And I think a lot of women, fierce women, have good intentions they think they're just helping yep. their husbands. That's really what they think they're Help doing. Help them in what way? Help them to be better? To Help improve. them to be stronger? Yeah, to improve, to do things better. And, of course, our way is the best way, or we wouldn't do it that way, right? Yeah, and I want to cut <laughs> you some slack because I think a lot of this sounds like expectations as well, mm-hmm. and that's wrapped up right. in it. And right. uh, I think, Kimberly, I want to give you that chance to describe that time in your marriage where it was tough and you're trying to get Leroy up to spec. Right. <laughs> you know, right. you're trying to get his game up. But there's ways to do that that are more edifying yes. rather than uh, destructive. Yes. So what were you learning in that process as a woman, as a very efficient, effective woman, uh, all the things that Leroy just said, smart, and you could do everything so well. You can even shoot a gun the first time through a target he couldn't hit, which uh, I don't know if that's true. But... Um, <laughs> The point of it is a lot of women are in that spot right now. Even hearing uh, we're here as men to help guide you rustles the feathers of many women. And even some men are going, no, that can't be my role. Leading and all of that. Describe Mm -hmm. for us where you were at and what you're trying to achieve and how God was teaching you. Okay, this isn't the way to go. Well, and it took a long time for me to learn. I wasn't learning well. We were miserable for at least 15 years Mm. before God started breaking me first and really doing a a humbling work in my life that was very needed. But in those years leading up to that, I would struggle because I had in my mind this invented picture of what I thought Leroy should be, and then daily life was much different than that. And part of that, Jim, is we as young women, we bring into our lives the men we've known before that we have been our heroes in our lives, whether it was a dad or whether it was an older brother or whatever. And we measure that husband against that. Maybe it's just an imaginary man. And we measure that husband against that. And these young guys, they aren't yet experienced with life. They don't have that same maturity level. Um, and then, and then if I could interject, then you add into that so many women have uh, suffered at the hands yes. of an authority male figure. Yes. And so they're going to raise up defenses and they're going to say, I'm going to be the one that is going to make sure that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of myself yeah. and I'm not going to let any man uh, harm me in any way. And right. so that factors in often, too. And what I didn't realize was every time that I would say something like, you know, why did you do it that way? Where... As I wasn't meaning that as I put down or to question him in a way that would be destructive. But for him, it translated into, oh, I didn't do it right again. I can never do anything right. I can never measure up to your expectations. And so what he began to do was to go further and further into a cave to just shut down. Withdraw. Withdraw and become passive and just say, you don't like the way I'm doing it, you take care of everything. You lead. You take over. And I thought that was noble because 
I'm a Christian, so I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to escalate a, a situation. I'm not going to attack her. I'm not going to try to bring her down. So there was a certain kind of a victim uh, mentality that had an attachment of nobility to it. Yeah. And I think a lot of Christian men do that same thing as far as retreating into a cave and withdrawing from leadership that God would have them to understand and to live out. And they think they're doing the right thing. And while he's in his cave, I'm over here dying because I want a man that will communicate with me, that will that will step up to be the leader, that will be involved in my life and listen to me. Yet he has just shut down. And the further I would pull, the more pressure I would give, the worse it would become. Well, and that's the irony of ironies. The thing you were desiring the most, yes. you were actually creating an environment that was the opposite of what you wanted. Yes. And that's in part that cycle that you've talked about in your book, Men Who Love Fierce Women, how to break that cycle. Yeah. And uh, I think that's why this is such a vital conversation. Let me push into this a little bit because I think in the Christian marriage, there's confusion about passivity and grace. And I can understand where you're at, Leroy, and I'm sure just about every man gets this. Speak to that distinction where a man is being passive and it actually is destroying the relationship rather than helping it. Yeah. Leroy did not, I don't think he consciously thought that's what he was doing. He was being noble, he thought, and not arguing with me. But what couples need and if you're listening right now and you're a man and you're thinking, my wife, she's that fierce woman, I just want to say, talk to her. Approach her. Approach her in humility. But that's what has got to happen to break down the walls of resistance between the two of you is honest conversations in humility. Let her know how you're struggling, how you feel that you would like to care for her. You would like to be there for her. You don't want to retreat, but you don't feel you've really got a safe place to stand. And let's work together on how to find that, how to work that out. Leroy, hit that head on that for us men that retreat and guys putting a disguise on it, calling it spiritual when it's really passivity. And I don't really want to argue anymore. It's just easier if she just makes a decision. I'm done with it. And I'll even smile to make it look really Mm -hmm. Christian because I'm really kind and nice. But underneath you're boiling and you're just seething and you're, but you're not willing to fight anymore. You're done. So you just get quiet. How do you distinguish where you're at in that continuum? Well, and I think that's a great point, Jim. And not only you're boiling because of, of the, the condition that your marriage is in, but I think there's this tension, especially within Christian men, that you know intuitively, you may not have a good theological grasp on it, but you know as a Christian man what God has called you to, and you are failing at that most important calling. And you feel like that you're in quicksand and you cannot, the more that you fight or the more you try, or sometimes even with me, the more I prayed, it seemed like the farther that we were sinking. And when I tried to talk with Kim, it would become emotional or she was so intense and I was not good at at dealing with conflict or at debate. I just never, you know, conflict avoidance was a major part of my life and my personality. And you probably learned that she was, she'll get the better of it. Absolutely. So once you have wrestled, 
wrestled with a bobcat a time or two. You don't approach them anymore. I mean, and so that's really kind of the way it was with me. I was no match for her intensity. I could not deal with her emotion uh, that she brought. And she was emotional because it was breaking her heart. It was ruining our marriage. And I did not have a handle on it. And I knew that. Kim, what was it you were looking for? from Leroy that later would make the difference. What was it you were demanding of him that he didn't know you were demanding of him? I wanted attention, security. I wanted, you know, we talk about the love languages. Well, quality time and physical touch, those things were important to me. They weren't so much important to Leroy. And so when I'm crying out for what will meet my needs or what I think will meet my needs, and he's not there, he's off in his own realm, you know, and yet he doesn't, like he said, he wouldn't want to hug a porcupine. Hmm. So was that it, Leroy? Uh, Was it that you had learned that you can't give her what she's really looking for, so you're not even going to try? And what happens, and that's right, John, and what happened to me, and I think it happens to so many, because I think it's just a part of the the nature of sin, any sin. It uh, it convinces us that this is the right way to go. Why it drags us further in to misery and further away from God and from His grace. And so, as I begin to withdraw, thinking that that was the right thing to do, is the only thing to do. There's no way that I could deal with this fierce woman that God had given me, and we knew that the Lord had placed us together. That was a part of what we were struggling with and what I was wrestling with. Hmm. I begin to develop a bitterness, bitterness toward her. It's hard to love someone that you're bitter against and, and hard to be thankful for the treasure that God has given you when you are, she's ruining your life. In fact, Leroy, you described in your book that you came to a crisis of faith and uh, you resigned or contemplated resigning from being a pastor. I did resign. Uh, you contemplated suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's I'm ashamed a, of that, Jim, there's a dark true. place, but, but it's real. And I so appreciate the fact that you're willing to pop that part of your heart open so that the Lord could use it for others right now who may be right in that spot. They're so desperate. They don't even know if they want to live. Describe that moment and how dark that must have felt for you. Well, I don't know that I can describe it adequately. The darkness was so dark and the pain was so deep. And I think when anybody comes, and there's probably some listening today, sadly, that when you lose hope, and especially as a believer, when hope is what our walk with God, our our faith in Christ is all about, Uh, when you lose that hope because of a crisis of faith, because of something that is happening in your life, like a marriage situation that you can't get a handle on and you don't see any hope for ever getting out of it, then I begin to have a, a doubt of God caring for me and loving me. And so theologically, I was saying, like, what's the use of going on? I mean, if this is what life is all about, if this is what it's come to, and God has brought us to this place, he's brought us together, wasn't blaming God, in a sense I was, and that's where that bitterness came from, but I began to abandon a confidence in God, and that is the real issue. Mm. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? 
And I would say to that person that thinks that this is never going to get any better, it's just going to get worse, and I might as well check out, I might as well leave, or you might be contemplating suicide, really what you're doing is you're expressing an utter lack of confidence in God. And that's what I was doing, and I didn't realize it. But you had to go through that to come out on the other side to even acknowledge that. And as you said, there are people... Uh, listening that are feeling that desperate. I would say there's two reactions in a man's context. I'm sure there's more, but two jump out at me. One is yours, which to me is a profoundly sensitive response, even though it was a dark feeling. The other is to say, forget you. Mm-hmm. I'm just out of this now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll stay married, but I, it'll be functional because I don't believe in divorce. But you may not even express that, but you're going to disconnect. Mm-hmm probably more cowardly in some ways. So I, although it was dark and it was a pit, I think in some ways that's a far better pathway to go through it, to look at your own self and say, okay, where am I at? And we have got to wrap up, but we'll come back next time and talk about how God pulled you from that darkness. And Kimberly, your role in that, looking at your own fierceness um, and then how God began to heal your relationship. Men who love fierce women. Uh, I think uh, if you're living in that spot, uh, you're going to want this resource. Well, our program today was provided by Focus on the Family. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for listening in. I'm John Fuller. It was so good to hear from this power couple on the program again. Can I reiterate what Leroy said about turning to God in your situation and asking Him to step in? And let me also remind you that we have caring Christian counselors available to you. That could be over the phone, answering a question over email, or setting up a counseling session online or in person. You can reach us on 031-716-3300 or online at safamily.co.za when you click the counseling link. This month, we're airing our best of the best programs from last year. We've created a top 50 broadcast channel on our Focus on the Family Africa app, and you'll find this program as a part of that. So if you haven't got the Focus Africa app yet, I really encourage you to download that from your Google Play Store or Apple Store today. Just be sure it's the Focus on the Family Africa app. The Wagner's book, Men Who Love Fierce Women, is also available online on our website, or you can give us a call to order. Thanks for tuning in today. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Graham Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.